Blog Talk Radio. There's some dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird get the young deer off the bird and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark, and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue what was throwing rocks in our vicinity, good-sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and looked back, and that's when I thought I saw one. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here and help where I can. 
Fantastic. Well, what were your, uh, you know, before we call Ron, uh, what were your overall uh, thoughts on on his presentation tonight? I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you know, uh, I'm I may at times uh, not fully agree or, or disagree, uh, but you know, Ron really is uh, very enthusiastic about uh, the things that he's come across his research, which surpasses many. Uh, and he's very diligent about his research, and he shared a lot of that uh, this evening. Uh, did you enjoy yourself at Hopsquatch? Oh, I absolutely had a, a great time at the event. I caught up with a lot of great people that I had uh, intended to catch up with anyway, and uh, just spent a night out in the woods with actually my friend Mike um, out uh, in the Hood area and got to hang out with him and then uh, getting in and just meeting everybody at the uh, get-together was just fantastic. Um, That's right. The, the presentation was awesome. I just, I, I do like the fact that Ron has gone the extra mile and he's covering from every end of the spectrum of, of research going from things that are yet not fully understood to the biology and, and of the, of the, whatever, we would go with uh, that they are and it, it's it's about asking questions and that's really what the subject is this is what that's what science is it's asking questions and coming up with methods methods to test and figure out what what it is what we're what we're dealing with and how it does what it does and that's just all anyone can hope to do in this subject Exactly. No, well said. And I'm going to cut you a little short because I know as we're, we, we're currently talking here, uh, Ron is driving back up to his home in Washington. And so I know the area that they're driving, he'll be speaking from his, his uh, vehicle, that they may lose reception. So I'm going to try and call him now and see if we can get him on air um, and uh, go from there and hopefully have him for a good portion of the show. Hello. Hello, uh, Ron Moorhead. This is Shane Corson with Monster X Radio. Hi, Shane. How are you today? I, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I have here along with me Nathaniel York. He's going to uh, co-host the show with myself. And we were both present for your presentation at the uh, Hopsquatch event. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you were. I remember that. Yes, we, <laughs> we were. And... We were just talking about it, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. I've, I've heard you speak uh, more than on more than one occasion, and uh, I always take something out of uh, your presentations. And I, uh, I know that though we're all students of the subject, you've been at this a long time, and uh, and are uh, very much uh, the adventurer and researcher. Uh, that I've come to know and love, and so it's a pleasure having you on the show, and thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. It's my honor. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I did I did inform the audience that you were on the road back home and that uh, we may have you for uh, whatever amount of time we may have you due to uh, reception, but uh, we have you now. So, yes, we can hear you loud yeah. and clear. Well, thank you. So, Ron, Okay, what? well... Uh, I was going to say, oh, right, what yeah. was, uh, you know, you got invited to the hop, to speak at Hopsquatch. What was your overall impression of Hopsquatch uh, your first time there? I enjoyed it. It's kind of loose and uh, kicked back and all oh, friendly people. And I, I, uh, I knew a lot of them, you know, from just from times past. And 
uh, it's, it's, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I appreciate Guy Edwards. Uh, he put on a real good program. Asked me some good questions, and I like that. Yeah, you didn't uh, you didn't shy away from any question. All all questions were on the board, and and uh, one of the things I really appreciated or or do appreciate about you, Ron, is that you don't claim to know anything. You don't claim to know at all. You just present your findings, uh, and 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 you you like Nathaniel before the show mentioned that uh, you look at all spectrums of of what we come to know as Sasquatch or Bigfoot, and you don't necessarily rule anything out, but uh, and that's how your presentations are. You present some, you know, your evidence, your findings, uh, and your experiences, and um, there you go. <laughs> well, there, yeah. Well, that's all I can do. Uh, you know, I tell people what I know, and I, I hope they tell me what they know, and then we all learn more together. That's how I see it, anyway. And, uh, a lot of people have their opinions. Uh, just it's all guesswork right now because none of us really do know. But I have been a long time doing this, connecting the dots, trying to, and and just uh, trying to uh, get a handle on this enigma that's out there called Bigfoot or Sasquatch. A lot of mysteries behind them, and a lot, lot yet to be learned. Uh, uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there's so much to be learned and so much we don't know. Uh, I don't think. Uh, I think if you're a proper researcher going about things the right way, you won't claim to know anything. Uh, and a lot of times, you, the more you think you know, the, you find out the less you know. And I, I very much find you to be that sort of researcher where uh, there are certain things that you, 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 know, you, you share, uh, but you don't claim to know anything as fact. And uh, I, I like to preach that because uh, there's a lot of individuals out there and people that just want to shout from the uh, mountaintops that they know things for a fact when in fact they don't unfortunately uh, I wish we did yeah. I'm sure you did you do as well but we don't know much uh, we, we think we do all we can do is share our findings uh, share others findings uh, and that brings me to the one of the questions I didn't get to ask you at Hopsquatch but collaboration is it important to collaborate Ron, uh, do you find collaboration uh, important, and do you, in fact, collaborate with other uh, individuals or groups? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's very important. That's how you share knowledge, and that's that's how you grow with this stuff. Because you know, not everything is going to be uh, accurate, but you got to listen to everybody because you don't know. And like I said in the presentation day, uh, you know, years ago, I thought these things were just an ape running around the woods, uh, just having fun with it. But uh, as as time goes on, you listen to people, and then you put all the stuff together, the little puzzles that we were presenting with in our camp up there in Sierra Camp, and you realize that uh, there's more going on. And uh, like I mentioned, too, they do toy with you. you know, they toyed with us, and uh, they, they think that we think we're smarter than them. <laughs> and uh, they are a cognitive being that uh, we uh, have some, probably some alien uh, DNA uh, some little, little better handle on life and, and what's going on. We we live in a culturized world, I should say. And, uh, like I mentioned in my presentation too, uh, we're calcifying our pineal gland uh, to the limits, and that just keeps us from our perceptions. And these things uh, don't brush their teeth with fluoride and all that stuff. So they probably have much right. better perception than we do. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it was a uh, fantastic presentation. I know you, you know you're, you're limited to the amount of time you could speak at an event like this, and you, I know you were rushed, but I think you really uh, uh, compiled and compacted a presentation in that short manner very well. Uh, there was, you know, uh, quite a few great questions asked from the audience uh, based on upon uh, some of your presentation. But going, you know, uh, Ron, you're no, uh, you're, it's no mystery or it's nothing new to you to be on these, you know, you've been all around the place. You're, you're an adventurer. You've been on lots of podcasts, TV shows, and all that. And I know you get a lot of these same rhetorical questions. But uh, for our audience, you know, I, I would like to ask a question. This the Sierra area, and I know you won't give up the area. Of course not. But this area, what what make what do you think makes this area unique uh, for Sasquatch to be going there or be there? What what's so unique about this particular area, or is there anything unique about this area? I don't think it's that unique. It just happened to us, and why it happened to us, I don't know. Or the interaction and all. But you got this stuff going on all over. I've since moved up into the Washington area. And there's so much stuff going on up here. I've, I've already just been up here since February, and my gosh, there's people coming out of the woodwork all over telling me stories about seeing this and seeing that, uh, Bigfoot-wise. And I've been on expeditions more than I have in California, probably, just because, of, I don't know, I, I, I kind of just ask people now, you ever heard of Bigfoot? And bam, uh, they, get, they, they either have seen one or they've got a relative that has, or there's a lot of Native Americans up here, too, and they seem to be a common, common place for them. So, just, yeah. uh, California, it's got a lot of them, too. They're, just, they're multiplying. And, uh, no, I don't think it's the area. I, I think uh, just some something about our personalities, I guess, or the camp we had just fell into whatever it is that this particular Bigfoot group wanted to interact with. I really don't know why, other than we weren't threatening them. We were hunters, they were examining under the air, they were doing stuff like that, but they never took anything they, other than the food they thought we left out for them. So. Right. And I think these the, things uh, are different. Yeah. Like I mentioned in the program, uh, there's the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, I think some of them huh. are, good, are good and some of them are bad. They're like a people, but uh, again, I think uh, their DNA uh, has been altered by some something in the past that gives them some kind of abilities to live naturally off the land like we don't. Uh, we're, we're hurting ourselves, I think, uh, every day of our life in these cultures. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and with the, uh, you know, you, the Sierra sounds have become infamous. I mean, they're, they're some of the biggest, uh, most famous recordings in all of the, well, not just the, the Sasquatch world, but the cryptid world. And you think, obviously, you've had Scott Nelson, and he's looked at these, and he thinks they're a form of language. He can't tell you what they say or, or, or their meaning, but you think these, the, the original recordings, do you think they were at any point uh, aggressive, or were they non-combative? Uh, what do you, I mean, just your personal uh, feeling, what did you take from those sounds that you heard, that you interacted with? Well, you, you you heard them first. When they first started out in 1971, they were extremely aggressive, uh, chest beating and all kinds of uh, aggressive sounding chatter going on. 
Um, by the time 74 came around, when you heard me interacting with them and yelling back and forth, we were, and, uh, these things were trying to say something. They were actually friendly, more of a friendly nature. And, and so I, I think probably they became kind of uh, well aware, for one, of who we were. They'd been going that same camp uh, so long, and uh, they just felt comfortable with making themselves be known to us. But there's the next question is why won't they really come out of it since we know? They, they don't do that. They just go hide in the trees and wait for you to do something wrong and leave. What about uh, rock planking in, in, in tree knocks? Do you, do you feel that that's a form of communication or are they trying to uh, the interact knocks? with themselves? You? Yeah, well, yeah, I think the wood knocks are a, a form of communicating with each other, like the whoops are too. And uh, you heard the wood, the wood knocks that I uh, recorded. Yes. The whoops also. And I think it's a form of them uh, communicating with each other. Because when they started yelling out, they were yelling out at us. And uh, I yelled back, as you heard. And when I yelled back, I got some really good responses. Uh, again, nobody, Scott Nelson, nobody can tell you what they're trying to say because you don't know what their, what their word for tree is. You don't know what the word for whatever, you don't know what their words mean, but you know it's a language, because Scott Nelson, who was trained as a crypto language, has a term very well vetted, like I told you, I've vetted very well, he's, he's uh, extremely qualified to do this, probably one of the best qualified anywhere, and uh, he has determined to have a complex language, which is a morphing stream of words that make up a cognizant sentence. What, what, what role... What role did Al Berry, uh, you know, Al Berry passed away in 2012. What role did uh, he play? Well, he was an investigative reporter. He, he was investigating it, ended up writing a book in 1976 about it without a slate. And uh, Al Berry was uh, instrumental, basically, in, this, in bringing this thing to life. Uh, he, he wouldn't let it go. Uh, every time he took it to a professional somewhere, trying to get it analyze or something, they'd lock it out and think that he was trying to hoax them or degrade them until Professor Kerner got a hold of it at the University of Wyoming and he took it seriously and realized that he did a year-long study and realized these tapes are genuine. Uh, they, they can't be copied or can't be faked. They've got human sound experts. And finally, uh, it wasn't until two when Scott Nelson got a hold of them and went through them. And, and then you had a professional tell you that there's a language there. Prior to that, we knew they were talking. We knew they were chattering amongst themselves. But, but you have to be a professional cryptolinguist, I guess, to, to get that notarized. And, uh, so he adjudicated it all, and we're, we're on the road now with a bigfoot that can talk. With a family of them. And I don't know if all of them can talk now because I think there's different kinds. So you know, there's a different type of tracks and feet. Don't hear the cover. You hear a lot of people tell me they hear them talk, hear them chatter, just like what I've got recorded. But they're not out there having me out in the woods and hear that. But most of the sounds you hear are screams and yells. And that kind of bothers me a little bit because I don't hear any. We didn't hear screams or yells up there, except for the aggressive sounds you heard. But from a distance, they were real close to us. They come in right next to our shelter. Sounds. We set up camera traps. We did all kinds of things trying to uh, uh, capture a picture. We just 
they can pick it off with you. They know they see that black man six foot high. And uh, I don't know. We did we just underestimated what they were at the time. Alberry did too. Uh, Alberry, you and I became great friends, and we started going talking about this together. And uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. And he's, he's a good man. Uh, master's degree in science. Very professional. He also uh, had a degree in English. He was a good writer. And uh, he put this together, basically, so I'm just kind of carrying the torch uh, with, with what happened to us up there. Kind of unique. Didn't have any idea just how unique it was until now, you know, just how many people are, are intrigued by it. And uh, it's, it's very interesting, very fun part of my life. It's something I do that's it's, uh, been very exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it, it is exciting work, and and one of the things I I find uh, honorable, or at least uh, worth mentioning, or fascinating, is that you know you didn't, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you you never reached out to Scott Nelson originally. He kind of came across these recordings and analyzed them on his own, correct? Right. Yeah, we kind of backed away. I I, I went to several universities. Al Barry and I did at different times, trying to get him to tackle this for you know for doing it and we've had them give us fees you know say yeah well i'll figure out what they what made that sound in three days for five thousand dollars send me the money well it didn't do that and i had another guy he swore he could do it gave him some money it didn't happen they just don't know because first of all they hear what they think is english phrases in there and every once in a while they sound like and that they can talk, and that's what throws them because they're supposed to be an animal out there. They're not supposed to be something that can talk. Well, a creature that can talk is something very special to me. Uh, they're, uh, humans are the only ones that have cognizant language that, that can... Uh, uh, animals communicate, sure, dolphins communicate, everything communicates, but not with spoken words like we do. And these things have spoken words, and that puts it in a whole other part for me. Uh, it puts it in a spiritual realm. It puts it into uh, biblical accounts of uh, giants, and uh, it puts it into a, uh, another frame of thought. So anyway, uh, I'm rambling on. Go ahead and shoot me some questions. Yeah. Well, during during at any time during during the original uh, recordings or encounters, was there any time, Ron, where you were afraid? Uh, or were any of your your uh, fellow campers counterparts afraid of what was uh, going on? Were you guys uh, scared or uh, just excited about uh, what was going on around you? Well, originally we were a little bit frightened because you don't know what they are, you don't know if they're going to come after you. Uh, but then we realized they're not going to come in after us, and uh, if they're still coming around, and, and that's the way it was originally. And then they started interacting like you heard the sounds I recorded later on with them trying to say something to me. I don't know what they're trying to say, but they're directing their language at me. And then uh, it was 2011, just a few years back, the last trip I made up there. And uh, I, uh, Al, uh, Scott Nelson and I had been up there three times that summer, a week at each time, go out, take a shower, and come back. And he spent his whole summer here with me uh, trying to capture more sounds up there, but nothing would happen uh, when he was there. So I had to know if, if they were around still, so I went back up by myself, which is really kind of a no-no, uh, not because of the creatures, but because of the uh, 
uh, different things can happen. It's a very imposing place, very remote area, and you get hurt up there, and no one ever finds you. And a lot of bear up there, a lot of, a lot of nothing but just wilderness and animals. And so it's not a, a smart thing to go up there by yourself. I hadn't really planned on going by myself. I had one of the other guys was going to go with me, but they backed out. So I went on up by myself after Scott went back to his teaching career. And uh, I had I had uh, one come around that night, more than one. Uh, something made a chatter, um, and uh, oops, it's like there's an accident on the road here. Excuse me. Oh, shoot. <laughs> anyway, uh, something had uh, cracked a big, a huge limb right outside my little tent I'd set up. I was by myself with no real protection, uh, and. Uh, I, it was one of them. That's what they do. They'll they'll pop a big limb just to see what you're going to do. And I didn't jump out. It was still light, but it, the mosquitoes were so bad. I thought I'd just wait a little bit because that's what they want you to do is jump out. And, anyway, I waited a while. Went outside, and started talking to them, but it, nothing. I couldn't see anything. I knew they were around, and uh, went back in the tent. It got dark, and then I heard this chatter going on. And uh, right then, something. Uh, popped one of the old barrels we had up there and uh, started walking around. You could hear a bipedal walk, and I started yelling at it because uh, it was a little concerning. I was by myself. You still don't know what they are. You don't know. What, you know, you don't know if they're gonna they're gonna eat you or they really would like to snack. You don't know. I didn't leave any food out. Uh, I didn't even think about that. To be honest with you, I, I didn't start a fire in the little fireplace we had. And uh, so that was in 2011, and uh, that was the last time, and your, your question was, do you ever get scared? Well, i got to admit, I was just a little bit concerned at that time. I was by myself, and the thing was out there walking around me. And uh, so otherwise, no. Uh, they, they will do what you command them to do if you know who you are as a human being made in the image of God. That's how. That's the theme of my talk here. Is know who you yeah. are. That you're made to be dominant on this earth, and that you are in command. And you can command them to leave, and they will leave, and they will not hurt you. So that's that's what I want to impress upon people. Yeah, yeah. They throw it's, rocks, it's but they'll miss you. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. I've had. Uh, well, actually, during my encounter back in 2011, it's funny because I. Did have rocks from my camp, uh, and they, you know, uh, did not hit any of our tents. I was through with uh, two other individuals. Never hit my tent. Uh, landed next to my buddy's tent, but never hit it. So it's something that I think about a lot. That it would have been very easy target to hit a tent, but it was. I, I feel, and I could be wrong, but it was purposely uh, missed, uh, just off to the side. But uh, we were aware that there was a rock thrown. So. That, that that to me is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, Al Berry and I went on an expedition. Some guys saying they've seen these things up in some wilderness up by uh, up in Plumas County, and uh, we we're all standing around the fire early evening, and this rock from whizzing by us. Uh, gosh, it like it got catapulted by a whatever. It took one heck of an arm to throw this. It sounded like an arrow going by you. It hit this tree up beside us hit about 20 feet up on the tree. Next morning we found the rock down at the base of it, but that's the only experience I've had with a rock being thrown towards us. And 
Larry Johnson, one of our group at our hunting camp up there, had some rocks thrown in his direction one time, but again, they were being thrown over his head. They weren't being thrown to hit him. But I think they, they could probably are experts at throwing rocks. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't hunt with them. Uh, but uh, yeah. I've heard a lot of people tell me about rock throwing. Yeah, yeah, the rock throwing thing is, is, is fascinating all by itself, and it would I would assume that if they did hunt, that rocks would play a part in that. It would only make sense, and that a lot of the, the wood knocking or tree knocks that we hear may be uh, actually rocks on a tree or, or whatnot. I don't know. I've never seen a Sasquatch. Oh, they, they, yeah. Big they will clock rocks together. Uh, you've heard that sound on my CD. And, uh, yeah. They will hit limbs together, pop trees, wood knocking. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll do a combination of it all. Uh, you heard that one rhythmic sound that I had there where they slap. You know, it sounded like he was slapping his chest or his knees or something while he was groaning. Uh, don't know what, what they mean by that stuff, but they, they do it. And, uh, right. I think the... Uh, the whooping, especially, I believe, is is them calling between each other, and uh, that gives the, the type of whoops they have. Uh, they have different types of intonations to their whoops, and that that is a, uh, a method of them signaling to another one without actually talking, give their give their uh, vocalizations away. Because I think talking is a major major thing. I think, well, I know the ones we dealt with can talk. I just don't know if other ones can or not. Uh, coming from uh, Michigan, uh, I can tell you I've had some experiences where we actually call blasted some of the whoops from the Sierra Sound and had uh, responses, direct responses of actual, uh, first a horn-like, almost like a air horn type vocal, but really low frequency. And then it was followed up by something much closer, started whispering in 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 gibberish, uh, clearly enunciating something, just couldn't tell to what degree. So, yeah, very. Uh, it was very interesting. From, yeah, you hear this from uh, the Albert Osman account from the John Green interviewed him in the fifties. His account was from the thirties, though, when he got up in Canada, British Columbia. He was in supposedly Toba Inlet and got captured by. Uh, a male Bigfoot and taken to its camp where there was a two adolescents and a female. There was a family Bigfoot in this area and he, he said that they chattered amongst themselves. He did escape. He wasn't sure why he was there or what they had in mind for him or what, but he mentioned the chatter and that's what was uh, that's interesting because that's what you hear is this gibberish chatter like uh, talking going on, but it's very rapid extremely rapid. Uh, the Great Ape Institute in Iowa uh, has a, a Nova in captivity. He's been in captivity all his life from uh, in his 30-some odd years old now. If he's still alive, I got this out of the National Geographic magazine, but they, they said that they think he's actually trying to say their words, but he talks so fast when he talks that they have to slow it down to see if they can make sense of it. So that was kind of interesting, I thought. Hmm. His name is Kansi. That was the Bonoma's name. Interesting. Anyway, I got off on that. That was, I thought, very interesting. Absolutely. I know that they have had uh, orangutans uh, specifically mimic humans with whistles. Um, 
and they have that recorded, and that's that I find very interesting as well. Um, the whistle was it wasn't something known. It, it learned how to whistle over time, and uh, would whistle, and uh, uh, it shows you uh, at least with primates, uh, not non-human primates, that they are capable of, of learning uh, human characteristics or, or speech, or at least uh, noises. <laughs> there? Yeah, you're still here. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm in the mountains. I understand. And if you cut out, we we understand. But I uh, hope to get this next question in. Why has nobody else uh, recorded sounds quite like what you recorded up in the Sierras? There's lots of recordings. I have recordings, uh, interesting recordings, uh, some I find very compelling. But why has nobody managed to capture the same sort of recordings that you have um, in your possession, uh, what, what what is your opinion on that? Well, my thoughts on that are that they're not trying to. They're not out there doing what I'm doing. They're not researching mm-hmm. Bigfoot. They're out there hunting or they're hiking or camping or just enjoying the Sierra. Uh, they're not walking around with tape recorders. And they're not, right. uh, the sounds they hear, uh, again, they don't maybe react the same way. Because there's some telltale signs about these things. If you handle it right, uh, you can get more on them. Don't you just think it's some something strange out there and yell back and start to shine your flashlight? That's probably the worst thing you can do is shine your flashlight and that'll get rid of them real quick. Absolutely. And, uh, they just uh, they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to uh, see them. Yeah, uh, Nathaniel York here, uh, my co-host for this evening. He actually has some very. Uh, he's got a recording that uh, is very unique. Uh, a recording I've never heard before. Uh, it has some similarities to the Sierra sounds, uh, but uh, they're different as well. Nathaniel, do you want to talk about it for a sec? Uh, well, uh, first off, uh, which which recordings? <laughs> which ones? Yeah, I have uh, quite a few. Well, I, I, I know we captured audio of some kind of gibberish um, in response to, uh, I seemingly response to me and my dad talking in camp, and uh, I took I take my dad out occasionally, and we'd gone to an area that had a really close range uh, sighting reported the year before of a all reddish all reddish colored female that was uh, very close range, 20 yards in in daylight, and uh, I personally investigated that report. Uh, in the area, and uh, went and checked the area out, and we then finally started making that re- regular bouts in there and finding interesting impressions and tracks all the time. Uh, well, I finally brought my dad back in there, and we ended up at one point uh, we'd be busting up firewood, and then something would be knocking in response to me busting firewood up uh, on the ground. And then from that point on, then we started getting. Uh, uh, gibberish responses. Me and my dad talking and joking around and laughing, and all of a sudden you just hear you hear cooing and hooing little sounds um, that sound like laughter, almost like that one where in your clip where you responded to it, and it almost seems kind of delighted or excited about the fact that you had responded to it. It was very similar to that, and then it immediately started uh, in short bouts, uttering a few with seemingly what sounds like words in between and uh i've shown those to many people um and uh even some bird uh avid birders and uh, nature recordists who who are very familiar and they cannot place it it doesn't sound 
and I've asked a couple linguists to look at it, and neither of them can even uh, verify what it is exactly. But it seems like something's talking off in the woods uh, in response to us being there. But um, yeah, that was um, that. W and then there was that instance, and then there was other instances of experiences I had that I did not record when I was younger um, on my property where I was yelled at in in uh, in the uh, samurai chatter type sounds um very clear enunciation uh one time i was walking in the reeds off the back side of my neighbor's property and i was checking out the area and i started going through reeds and making a big noise and i was immediately yelled at with the short burst of Mayaka, it was yelled out um and i turned and i left immediately and then from that point on other sounds along the way so definitely a lot of interesting stuff that seems very similar to some of the recordings you have. Hmm. Interesting. Have you, uh, have you ever thought about getting a hold of uh, Scott Nelson or crypto linguist? Um, yes, I. Yeah, I have. I've been actually uh, trying to get my files enough together to actually speak with him and hopefully in person at one of the next events that he will be attending. Um, I was going to get his impression on uh, what what was exactly recorded, if it, there's anything to be gleaned from it or not. Yeah, he looks for what they call a morphine stream. I mentioned this maybe earlier, I don't know, but yeah. it's a group of yeah. words that make them cognizant symptoms. And uh, if you've got something like that, that would be terrific. Because he, he's looking yeah. for cooperation, more cooperation that's recorded. You've got a lot of people that's got to hear this, that, and the other, but he's looking for... I guess there's nothing of the quality. We were just lucky, had our mics in the right spot and doing the right thing, I guess, to get the capture the yeah. capture. Uh, but if you yeah. have something similar to that, you know, it'd be great to get him on it, and he would love it. Uh, I can tell you, it, uh, it, where, where are you located? Uh, well, I am now in the Pacific Northwest, but that was from Michigan. Um, but uh, since then, we've had other, um, since being out here, actually, and taking part in the uh, Falcon project on the side, we were working as a group in a particular area. And as you said, it's about having your recorder on and uh, your mics on in the right right place, right time. And then, of course, things cooperating. The batteries are still good. Uh, the temperature doesn't uh, drop and shut your electronics off. I've uh, That's what happened that night when we were in the area. And uh, this thing came in and started yelling and enunciating for 10 minutes, 30 feet from my tent uh, for almost yeah. 10 minutes, seven to 10 minutes. And we got, well, we got up, the temperature had gotten down to around 28, 29 degrees that night. It was extremely cold. There was frost settled on everything down in the meadow in the morning. It was early May of uh, this year. And uh, I had rechargeable batteries in my audio recorder, and they were actually one of my older sets um, that was starting. They, they just didn't take a charge like they used to, but they still did about 10 hours. But I put them out, and in the cold temperatures, they just don't seem to handle the juice, I guess. And I had actually gone to bed early because I had uh, apparently some kind of food poisoning. So I retired to my uh, tent at about 8.30 and set it to go. And it shut down at 2 hours and 40 three minutes into the uh, recording cycle and our visitor came in about 1237 um, in the morning and did his thing um, and we 
everyone in camp just about uh the majority of our party was actually startled awake by this this event uh stomping obviously on two legs around and enunciating as a matter of fact there was an emotional uh aspect to it that was almost like a child who was frustrated by if you could imagine the expression of offering a, a child a, uh ice cream and then pretending to give it to them and then tearing it away from their hands and saying, I was just kidding, you can't have any. I mean, very similar, just this emotional outcrying and enunciating and whining. Uh, we we jokingly say he was, we call him the complainer, and that's what we call that camp now is the hilltop camp of the complainer. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it just, we would have had an audio. I put out an audio recorder and uh, it, just did not take the temperature and it shut down. So we were all excited upon exiting the tent uh, about 10 minutes after the thing had moved off. And uh, we went out to check the audio and make some notes of our experience and just talk at the recorder. And we opened it up and the recorder had been shut down. It was just flat out dead. The batteries were dead. So That's not unusual. In 2011, when I had that incident happen with me at our camp, I had my little H2 Zoom. It's a really good little recorder, lightweight, easy to pack. And very good quality, and I had a brand new yeah. lithium battery in it, brand new. And uh, when this starts stuff started happening to me later that evening at ten o'clock when I heard the chatter, I tried to turn it on and the battery was dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Scott Nelson once uh, he was up there earlier that year, and uh, his batteries went dead. So it's it's just uh, there's something going on with uh, with all this that we just can't get a handle on yet, but. Got now, uh, now, Ron, it, I know you've talked about this at length. You, t- you spoke of it today at Hopsquatch, but uh, this area in the Sierra, is, you, is this an area that uh, pe- uh, a lot of people go to uh, or you run into people? Uh, you know, I'm trying to roll out some stuff here for the audience. Yeah. Uh, do you think anybody no, you don't can open you? Oh, well, it's eight miles into this area where nobody else does yes. go. It's kind of out on a peninsula of a mountain, and there's no reason for anyone to go out there, for, first of all. there um, there's uh, Nobody goes up in there. It's just not that kind of a place. And uh, there's, no, there's no fishing streams. It's 8,400 feet elevation. It's between uh, Yosemite and Lake Tahoe. That's a uh-huh. pretty good stretch in there, and there's been a lot more reports in that area besides just what we went through. Uh, right. But again, people aren't out there with recorders trying to capture Bigfoot recordings. They're out there hunting or capturing or just camping or something like that, and they see one, but they don't. They're not recording their sounds. Exactly. Yeah. And in, in in this area, though, especially uh, specifically Yosemite. Uh, has a ton, uh, I think it's the most in the nation, for a national park at least, of missing persons. And it was one of the questions I had asked you at Hopsquatch. But for our audience, you know, do you think uh, possibly, you know, David Polides uh, writes about this in his books, 411, Missing 411. Uh, do you think there's any tie in there uh, with the missing people out there with Bigfoot or Sasquatch? Do you think that's a possibility or is that just crazy? Well, I think it's a possibility. Uh, David won't say that because he's a professional. He's an investigator. You know, he's a retired uh, officer, and uh, he's uh, he's not going to say that's what it is because he doesn't know. And uh, I'm not going to say that's what it is because I don't know. But it's kind of right. strange. Uh, 
there's a lot of sightings, and yet there's a lot of people go missing. They're unaccounted for. They're uh, has a hard time trying to get any records out of the uh, force uh, force service uh, about it, and uh, he just wants to let that be known. Uh, our, our tax money goes for a lot of things that uh, shouldn't be going for, probably. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think uh, David's got he's onto something there. But again, he won't he won't ever come out and say it's a Bigfoot, just like I wouldn't. But uh, Native American lore is that the uh, these things would make a cry like a baby and to lure uh, the women in to either take them or eat them. And I'm sure, but the, the story is that they would eat people. And you've got the uh, Lovelock uh, caves over there where the Paiutes warred with the cannibalistic giants. Uh, that's that was established uh, credible uh, years later when uh, the uh, archaeologists got in there and found bones and all that of giants, but those are all locked up supposedly now. Can't can't see them. I've got a picture of one, incredibly huge. They were hairy, red-haired giants, cannibals. They would eat the Paiutes, so the Paiutes all got together and they warred with them and burned them out of the cave supposedly. Uh, it's called the Lovelock Cave. And uh, anyway, there's a lot more going on in the Sierras from history that uh, I think I mentioned it. My, the minaret skull that was found by Dr. Benton in the minarets uh-huh. of the Sierras. Uh, there was, and that's all got lost. UCLA turned over UCLA. Now they don't have it. Well, how do you just don't have something? No, you, it's somewhere. Then you've got the Martindale mummy, which was found mummies. I should say it was a female, seven foot tall, with a baby and. Of course, her um, life size would have been a little bit taller. Her male counterpart would have been close to eight foot, they think. And that was uh, discovered in the late 1800s. And uh, in 1998, Ripley's, believe it or not, bought it. And that's where the trail stops. You can't, can't find it now. And that well, was in a cave. With this area that, sorry, with this area that in the Sierras, uh, you know, after all was said and done, you got these these recordings and had these experiences. Did you go back and look at the history of the area and find anything that kind of tied in with what uh, you were obtaining or experiencing? Well, Al Barry did. That's what he was doing. He was he was researching all the time. We were we weren't doing that as hunters. We were just up there having fun right. um, and recording. Because we all took recorders. We all got recordings like this. And, uh, uh, Al captured some real clear ones, but he was always looking to see what else is going on. He's the one that wrote the original uh, uh, Minaret Skull report. With he interviewed Dr. Denton. He and I went into the Minarets actually in Sierra Nevadas and uh, on a little pack trip. We took our horses in and, and uh, went back to where Dr. Denton said it was—a little meadow by at the base of the Minarets—and uh, we started digging around everywhere, trying to find some, you know cooperating bones or something that would have put it together for us, but we never could find anything. But we didn't dig up the whole meadow either. It was too nice when we were fishing at the same time. <laughs> anyway, it's fun doing that stuff. And we went into uh, below the, um, oh, there was a giant footprint found in the, uh, oh yeah, embedded in lava in a uh, below Mount Whitney. And, uh, it was next to hmm. a human track which uh, would have been a long time ago, which would have really... It's in a book, by the way. The book went out published in 1934, and uh, it was in Kern Peak, uh, in below uh, Mount Whitney there. And we was, we spent several days back there trying to find that, but there's no markers to really 
in the book, it showed a little um, wooden structure, which was a lookout tower for fires. But that was all gone. That's with a few sticks laying around, so you couldn't tell which, which what was where from the picture that we had in that book. Uh, anyway, that's sort of stuff that goes on in the Sierras, and you've got a lot of, of course, uh, accounts of these things being seen in the Sierras. Yeah, that's what took me to Peru. Actually, is the uh, was, yeah the giants that were that were uh, I think responsible. There was some some type of technology responsible for those megaliths down there in the Cusco area up in Bolivia and Lake Titicaca and all those areas. That's uh, we can't do what they did, and there's something uh, alien going on, <laughs> and uh, it's got something to do with uh, advanced race of beings. Uh, and once you see that stuff, uh, personally, firsthand, like I have a couple times, I've done it twice, and uh, there's no getting around it. You are hooked on knowing that aliens have influenced humanity and, and probably crossbred with hominids. So you wonder if maybe some of these stories you've heard aren't, aren't true, which basically they was breeding these things to help them move these big boulders. I don't know. It's Yeah. I get carried away thinking about this stuff all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you're you're a world traveler. You've traveled from Russia to Peru and all over the place. And one of the things you were also discussing at uh, the, the Hopsquatch event today uh, was the frequencies. Of, uh, you know, you know, and that's what I find fascinating about some of these. Well, how did these boulders and these buildings get built? Uh, it would take almost uh, extreme strength or some sort of technology to put these uh, boulders together and whatnot. But you were talking about the frequency, you know, being in tune with a uh, certain frequency. You expand yeah. upon that? Well, it's my understanding that everything is a frequency. Everything is a wave until it's observed and it collapses into a particle. But if you can find the frequency of anything and get tuned into it, you can manipulate it. And I, I've heard that uh, some of the uh, shamans over in uh, Nepal do this. I want to go back over, and I've got an invitation to get up into the uh, Himalayas there and maybe visit some of these people that supposedly can uh, levitate and uh, do things like that with with their vocal frequencies. They they tune into it. Um, if that's what if that was the technology used, that's pretty unique. But that's just how they moved them, how they cut them so precisely like a puzzle I mean a jigsaw puzzle uh, and put them together with no mortar whatsoever right. uh, and what what the reason for and how they did it is wow uh, astounding to see that stuff and I've seen boulders somewhere over 100 ton brought from miles away and put up on this 14,000 foot mountain and hundreds of them not just one or two and they're all placed strategically you don't know what for I was going to say, absolutely. The, the uh, it is interesting, um, just how how very tightly these the rocks really are uh, meshed together. Everything there is no space, no crags, no uneven lines, no nothing. It it almost looks like every rock was formed and cut perfectly, and then. Uh, inset into the next stone's placement area like within each like every stone had a deliberate socket it was almost like it was molded from it for it 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 is quite impressive very interesting for sure it's like 
uh, like to turn them into a big marshmallow and squeeze them in there. <laughs> That's what yeah. the hard But uh, you can't get a card. You can't get a, a hair in between those boulders. And uh, they're stacked way up. And my goodness. You see this all over the high country in Peru, though, uh, and Bolivia. I've been into Puma uh, Pumpu, which has got a real, real interesting nickels associated with it. But these things are all over down there. And, uh, anyway, when you see all that, you realize there has been aliens and they have intervened in hominids. And when you think about what Bigfoot could be, if they got some kind of attributes that we don't understand, maybe it's from alien intervention into some type of great ape, uh, altering the DNA. And that's what I got into my program, too, is uh, I think we are, or we are hybrids, if you want to put it that way, when God changed our DNA into the caveman and got, uh, got our cognizance and our language and everything else going, made in his image. And that's what we, that's what we became who we are, uh, to be his people. Where Bigfoot has had his, uh, something's happened in the DNA of a great ape of some type, but it wasn't made in the image of God. However, they do have cognizant thought process. Uh, that's my theory, and that's my, actually my theory is my hypothesis. Yeah, so, so you you, you uh, believe that, uh, I mean, just from your, your research stuff, that Sasquatch is a some sort of human hybrid, correct? I do, yeah, I do. And if you want to believe uh, some of the DNA is coming out, uh, I know Melba Ketchum has had some raps, bad raps, but I'm not so sure she, I'm not so sure she deserves all that. I'm not qualified to really evaluate her paper, but she said the uh, mitochondrial DNA, which is the, the maternal side of the specimen that she got from the Sierras, by the way, was human. Yet the nuclear DNA, nuclear DNA, which is the male counterpart, had an unknown species related to it. Well, that falls right into biblical accounts of uh, aliens intervening in humanity and uh, trying to corrupt the human genome. And if that's happened, that's what uh, that's what was happening before the flood. And uh, that's why the flood came, is to clear up the race again. Yet after the flood, you find that giants were here again. And uh, they've been here ever since. So aliens, if they did it once, they could do it again. And uh, I used to think that uh, there must have been some type of recessive gene in one of Noah's sons' wives or something like that, but that would have uh, that would have defeated the purpose of the flood, and that would have defeated what God was doing at the time, which is trying to clean up the uh, human genome, so that we would have a way of connecting back with him again. Where would that put aliens, then? Would that make them almost uh, demonic, or uh, it, trying it, to... It, make them, okay. it, it could make them very, very dangerous. Uh, that's why I tell people to keep their guard up, because we think they were trying to friend us, and I think they tried to friend, some of them tried to friend a lot of people. But I don't know that they even know what they are, uh, because I think that there's a process called quantum entanglement, and I think their creator can entangle them whenever he gets ready, they get ready. Uh, and if there is an influx of UFOs, which uh, is going to happen one of these days, it's hard for some people to swallow. See, <laughs> UFOs are commonplace in South America and Central America. But when that happens, they're going to offer advanced technology 
And that's what they did in the days of Noah, and that's what caused the problems, because when they offer advanced technology, that's the sign of the end times. And uh, that's what you don't want to take. Uh, you want to stick with what we are, made in the image of God, and expound upon what we are as humans. Now, now would you, Ron, would you be me? <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're you're fine. You're just expressing your ideas and opinions and and whatnot. Your research, and uh, glad to have you on Launch Rex, uh, because you don't you're not necessarily saying this is a fact. Is these are uh, your ideas and opinions and whatnot, and uh, people can take them or shove them or whatever. So uh, you know, uh, no worries right. there. You're not yeah. preaching. Yeah, but <laughs> I will ask you. Uh, would you be amazed? Let me ask you this question: Would you be amazed or dumbfounded if Sasquatch one day was hit by a truck or shot uh, and discovered to be some sort of non-human primate or just a, a very uh, something? The fossil record is yet to show. Would you be amazed by that or or, or dumbfounded? No, I wouldn't be dumbfounded at all. I'm anxious to see what they are. Uh, I just. I just been doing this so long. I seem to be leaning yep. towards what I've been talking about here because it used to be I would think that you know and, uh, mm -hmm. that some someday somebody's going to hit one. It's going to happen. There you know they'll be discovered. There's just some other type of animal out there that's going to get discovered. But they're more than that, and uh, I believe them to be much more than that. From all the people I've interviewed, all the years I've been through all this stuff, uh, just it all that's what makes sense to me. And uh, yeah. I know 10, 20 years ago, if you were talking about UFOs and all that stuff, well, people laughed you out of the room. But anymore, they don't because more and more people are seeing UFOs, more and more people are seeing Bigfoots, Sasquatch. And uh, anyway, it's uh, it's being more and more accepted. And I've just decided to come right out and tell people what I think and what I've witnessed myself and what I what I think. The Russians agree with me totally. I went over there with uh, Dr. Meldum, Dr. Benenegel, the uh, Russians paid our way and took us into Siberia after we spoke at the Darwin Museum, and, and uh, they are scientists, uh, they're in, in their scientific uh, disciplines, I should say, and they have to do things the scientific way, the scientific method. I'm, I'm reaching out a little further than that into the, I guess some people might want to call it the paranormal. Uh, to me, paranormal just means something that's what's paranormal today can be normal tomorrow with knowledge. So I'm just reaching for the knowledge. And, uh, that's what I'll continue to do. Right, and you don't close any door, you leave them all open, but you still uh, continue on researching. And uh, that I truly appreciate big time. Uh, and it means a lot to me because uh, there's a lot of... Uh, individuals out there that have closed doors that say things are fact uh, when they provide little and you're not one of those people I find uh, nor uh, a lot of people that um, have experienced or share their experiences that uh, are above and beyond what uh, us as humans like to consider or delve into so Kudos to you. Well, I, 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 you know, I relate my chronicle of doing this for so many years and all the things I've been through in my book that I wrote a couple of years ago. It's the Voices in the Wilderness. And uh, that can be, it comes with a CD, so when you get into the context of a certain sound, uh, you can play the CD and hear the sound, or you can download it from my website, which is bigfootsounds.com, or bigfootrecordings.com, or onemorehead.com. 
anybody can get access to those things, uh, and it's it's quite revealing, really. Uh, I, I talk about the Peruvian stuff that I found. Uh, I, I've got a lot of pictures in it of, of different things, and uh, it's it's really doing well. I've sold a lot of them, and uh, about ready to order some more of my fourth fourth order here. It's just uh, if, if people want to know what I've been through, my my 40-year chronicle is in that book. And it talks about the mysteries, the enigmas, and some of the things. It's not just reports from other people. It's what I've personally experienced. So, but, uh, anyway, I thought Ron, what are, plug in. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are your future plans? And are, do you have any other books on the horizon? Well, right now I'm not I'm not trying to do that. I'm thinking about doing a third CD or maybe an audio book. People are asking for that so they can listen to it while they're driving. Uh, I've just moved up into Washington State. I've been doing research on the Olympic Peninsula and uh, and also inland, too. Uh, I just bought a home up here, so I'm still on my home in California, but but, uh, I'm going to live up here now and and research up here. Got my horses up here. Just really getting settled in. My sweetie pie. She likes me to call. She's driving while I'm talking, by the way. Right. <laughs> she likes me to call her my beloved. <laughs> so, <laughs> but she likes that. She's so, so I, I so, have to ask, um, uh, what is uh, your next uh, step or or uh, plan of action as far as research go- goes? Do you, are you going to pursue Sasquatch within the, the realm of like a scientific um, trying to break it down? Okay. Yeah, break it down. I think there's no reason why spirituality and science can get together on this thing. You, know, you talk about other dimensions and this quantum physics or classical scientists and they just won't, don't want to listen to you because it's out of their box or disciplines. Uh, quantum physics is, is, is a science in itself and I'm researching up here on this, uh, run across several already, just in a short time I've been up here, been on expeditions already, uh, been into areas where these things are being seen, and a lot going on up here, and uh, I plan on continuing doing that, and uh, I've been uh, Skyped for, uh, sizzle-reeled, I guess you call it, for possible programs on television, and if that happens, well, I'll probably be busy doing that. But uh, right now, I think we're kind of big-footed out, some of these uh, shows are. Uh, nobody's putting it together. Nobody's putting the alien aspect together with what Bigfoot could be. And uh, I don't know why not, because uh, I've been doing this for years, and I'm hearing these people on uh, television talk about uh, some of the stuff I've been talking about for years. And it's okay as long as the word gets out, but they've got to put it together. Somebody's got to put, I think, what I think the big story is, which is, what are they here for? Why are they here? Why aren't they coming out and getting involved with us? A lot of you hear these people say, well, they're here to help us, they're here to guide us. Well, no. If they're here to do that, then they should come out and do it. they got no better person than me to came out and done it with because I've been next to them, right close to them, and yet they won't come out and put me right on their shoulders. They're not really trying to befriend us like we think. And again, I'm not sure they know exactly who they are, but they can be entangled by their creator, and uh, just like, I think they get on the 
same frequency as us, that can entangle us. So you got to be careful. you got to know who you are as a human in charge. Hmm. Now, one of the other things you, one of the other one of the other things you spoke of at Hopsquatch uh, and you shared was camping suggestions, and I don't know if you want to elaborate on that on the show. Uh, it's just some ideas when you're out camping or uh, setting up your camp if you're out there trying to do some research or experience something. What are some of your ideas and suggestions? Yeah, well, I got a lot of them, but. I can yeah. tell you what worked for us and what works for people if they listen to it. I've had people tell me they got it at work. And that's basically uh, be simple. Uh, go to hot spots where you put a lot of reports of these things. Get away where there's no other, no other people that you can, which takes a little effort. You can just drive in the road, open up a six pack, and hope you got a Bigfoot yelling at you or something. But uh, let them be the aggressor. Don't try to trick them because they're going to stay a step ahead of you. Um, until you've got some real good interaction going on, don't try to do anything other than just enjoy it. Uh, but be careful and keep your guard up. I, I really want to bring that to people's forefront because if these things aren't what I allude to, uh, we, we better know who we are as humans. So my suggestions are: you know, don't make changes. Set up your camp. They like they like to trust what they're seeing. Uh, they like to know that you're not going to shoot at them. They're, that you're having fun, that you're an honest person, that you're uh, that you're really real. And I think that's that's sometimes looking back on the people that were in uh, the camp I was in. There were six of us, but we were all real people. You know, we didn't pull any bones about anything. We were all uh, uh, just, I guess, what you want to call spiritual. We, we believed in God, and, and uh, well, anyway, we were sober, a sober camp, but we had fun, a lot of fun. We hunted, we shot deer, hunted the deer, they'd come and examine the deer, they never would take our deer. They'd actually have moved our deer, but never would take it. Uh, yeah, I don't have my PowerPoint program in front of me right now, but... Uh, no, of course not, yeah. These suggestions, these suggestions I had on that, uh, on that site, I think I've got an article on that on my website. In fact, i got a lot of articles on my website about what we're talking about. Yeah. And and uh, it's a great website. Do you, do you uh, mind sharing that website on air? Sharing the website what? Do you mind sharing that website? Uh, where where can people uh, look at the this uh, this stuff and information? Yeah, it's, uh, it's in articles and RonMoorhead.com or BigfootSounds.com, BigfootReportings.com. Uh, uh-huh. uh, it's 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 there. And they're yeah. just articles, and I've got a lot of articles in there, and uh, some YouTube stuff too that I've done. And just uh, a lot of information, a lot of information <laughs> that I've written. And some of it can be used by people, and some of it they just want to throw out. So take what you want and use it. Yeah. If it works for and, you. And you know, much of the information, in, in, in that's what I really appreciated about your your little little uh, put together there as far as your. Um, notes of 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 how to make to make it most uh to make you more attractive to having an experience uh within an area uh basically i uh, i personally use many of those tactics being safe being predictable therefore approachable and always just just being non-threatening and making your making er, that what you do 
a easy to follow and just all around it ma it makes it where you can get attention drawn to yourself but it's not necessarily in the same manner that say a normal camper is uh, but it's it's something that the animals can actually come in and maybe be curious about or want to just understand or communicate and that's that seemed to work for me quite well in uh, my research it was yeah. in the state of Michigan and now Washington State. Yeah, make them curious. Uh, again, make them be the aggressor. Don't I don't believe in taking dogs because they'll either destroy a dog or the dog will cower down and won't come out. Uh, I a dog will bark at them and irritate them. And uh, on one of my CDs, I got a recording of their 911 call. I called it. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but. I interviewed this guy, and uh, he uh, he saw one out in his garage, but his dog got a big squeal and a uh, big thump, and it got tossed big German Shepherd 35 feet across uh, his yard, and uh, the thing was barking at it. So if you like your dog, I don't suggest taking a dog. <laughs> but again, let them be the aggressor. they got to make the first move. And if you don't shine lights and don't act like they're no big deal, don't jump up and start looking around. Just be still and keep doing what you're doing. Chances are they're going to come in closer until they get your attention. Ron, what are your thoughts on, on females being in camp? Do you think that's an important part of it, or does that play little part as, a, a, a say, a woman being in, in your camp? I'm, You know, <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> question. My daughter has seen them three times at our camp. Uh, she's seen them three times. And uh, it's she's a good-looking woman. She's... And most of the time when I ask women when I've interviewed, uh, I try to do this cordial in a nice way somehow, but I'll try to find out if they were administrated at the time. Right. And uh, most of them have been. And uh, this brings maybe, because uh, they're primate, these things are, so they don't have the olfactory sense of a dog or a bear, but they might be able to sense this about a woman and, I think the young males, and I know there was one up there because my daughter seen seen one, and uh, he was displaying himself right there to her, and I didn't wow. get turned around in time because I didn't know what was going on. She turned around, and seen this thing, and standing there. And, um, anyway, uh, there's a lot of so to be said about that. You gotta you gotta watch out if you take your wife. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you don't thing. like her. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> another thing that uh, uh, Albert Osman talked about. He, he wasn't sure. He might have been brought to breed the young woman uh, or to be eaten. He wasn't sure. He didn't know what they were chattering about up in Columbia, uh, British Columbia. She, yeah, she might end up like that uh, German Shepherd. Uh, well. <laughs> now, you were saying... Um, that this uh, your daughter had an experience of seeing a male and he was displaying himself. Uh, what do you mean by that? What what was the? Well, uh, no, I don't mean in a sexual way. I just mean he was no. standing there, obviously he was looking at her uh, straight on, and uh, he's seven foot tall and kind of thin, actually. She said, but uh, he was just obviously wanting her to see him. Otherwise, she wouldn't yeah. see him. And she went gotcha. him for a couple seconds, and she couldn't even talk. She was just speechless, and she kept pointing. And I, God, I just got through eating. We both had our backs turned to this area. And the uh, time I got up and turned around, uh, it was it already got in behind some trees and left. And uh, my camera was 
normally. Uh, it was about 15 feet away, hanging on a tree. Had I seen it, I would have got a picture. Oh, wow. And during the night one time, we were sleeping out. We weren't inside the shelter and uh, with a tarp over us. And uh, she said a big hand uh, was put on her and uh, it just petrified her. And she could hear me snoring. She knew it wasn't me, and uh, she she brings that every once in a while up to me. What was it wanting? Why did, why did I do that? But she couldn't yeah. even open her eyes. She said she was frozen, which we've all had those old zapped feelings. Like a lot of us have anyway. I have where they just kind of can freeze you. You don't know why, but you're laying there in your sleeping bag, and you can't get up. You can't open your eyes. You, you just lay there when you know they're right outside the shelter. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I've had a uh, similar... Go ahead. Well, no, just at the time it happened to her, we were obviously outside the shelter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have I had a, uh, several similar experiences where um, I felt uh, stopped uh, with... It wasn't for fear reaction, I'm... Um, I I had experiences for a long period of time actually uh, on my property when I was um, that that's how I got introduced into the subject was my sighting and then uh, experience, following experiences where I lived. But uh, so I was pretty used to. I wasn't. I'm not really afraid of them, but I respect their uh, ability as they are obviously most of the time much larger and such. But point being that the experiences I had where I felt just stopped like I just was not supposed to go any farther or just frozen just could not move um there there was no real reason for it that I could detect but it always felt like I was being watched and like I was being um sort of held back in in I have to wonder if that's not a fair uh pheromonal uh morphological response to say pheromones being off put by the animal at close range or something uh do you think that that could be uh, a possible explanation for uh as what we would label being zapped or something and why it could be so individual versus not group related uh, like... it, it could be uh I, there was some suggestion years ago when i mentioned about how we've been zapped up there where i i related to a star trek force field you're not really uh, uh, scared. You're just zapped. You can't do anything except go backwards. And uh, uh, pheromonial only works within its own species. And so, if it's pheromones, it would have to be the human part. Uh, the more uh, acceptable one to me is perhaps uh, infrasound. Infrasound well, affects human function. Well, at the same time, we we know that when women. Um, say put off pheromones we know that male chimps can be attracted to um <clears throat> to uh, uh a woman uh when when that's happening uh so it, it, who's the do you think that that with that relation being obvious do you you think sasquatch then could have this a similar a reverse uh type order with us that uh yeah or is similar i think it's very possible yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think they can, again, I don't think they can smell like a bear or like a dog, but they do have a untainted olfactory sense, which probably gives them a much better, uh, much better sense of 
lifestyle that we have in it. Right. By being influenced by all the byproducts of civilizations we're up there. Yeah, so many, so many uh, un, unended, uh, so many questions uh, and loose threads. Uh, it, it's uh, mind-boggling, but uh, by 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 trying to uh, talk to others and, and collaborate with them and and uh, listening to others, maybe we'll get somewhere. Uh, maybe we'll get somewhere with this and uh, perhaps have an answer, and uh, perhaps not. You know, a lot of people like yourself, Ron, have done research for you know 40 plus years and uh, are still uh, seeking the answers. Uh, though you've come to some, um, you've found some ideas and, and theories and whatnot through your own experiences that may possibly explain this. Uh, as of now, nothing's definitive, uh, and uh, it's still an open book, which um, makes this 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 whole. Uh, subject of Sasquatch and Bigfoot so fascinating for so many people like myself and many others uh, maybe one day we'll get to the answer but it's like a dog chasing tire what's going to happen when you catch a tire <laughs> yeah 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 you know um, uh, and there should be a warning there Yeah, you know uh, you may be seeking something you don't want to know exactly what it is once confronted or proven so but, uh, Ron, uh, I just want to thank you so much for joining us here on Monsters Radio and for your your great and fabulous presentation at uh, Hopsquatch. Uh, and, I, uh, you know, like I said, I just thank you so much for, for joining us and for your insight and your ideas and your opinions. And I hope people look for your book, Voices in the Wilderness, and check out your website, uh, both fabulous and uh, maybe... Uh, down the road, we can all uh, figure this out together. So thank you so much for joining us, Ron. Well, thanks for asking me. It's, it's been a, a pleasure talking to you. Oh, absolutely. We'll talk to you again someday. Thank you. Thank Fantastic. You. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Nathaniel. Yes. Yes. Uh, hey, man, I want to thank you so much for joining us, uh, you know, uh, for stepping in for Gunnar Monson. Uh, here on Montrex Radio, uh, you had a lot of insightful questions and experiences, um, and it's really cool because, uh, you know, Ron Moorhead and the and many others, uh, Tom Powell and Joe Bielhart and a lot of these other guys are controversial um, figures in the Bigfoot or cryptid world or whatever. Well, let alone just us being involved with Sasquatch in general, but. Uh, because they, they they kind of provide or or, or uh, share stuff that they've experienced or their ideas that are paranormal, and um, uh, a lot of people find um, impossible. Uh, you know, I I don't necessarily agree with uh, some of their findings. I don't necessarily agree with some of their ideas. I'm open to many things. I've never experienced some of the stuff that they've experienced, uh, but I enjoy listening to them because I. I know a lot of these guys, and they're honest people. And so I have to look at what they've experienced in sharing, what they're oh, sharing, and, and, and yeah, and evaluate that. And I'm not experiencing any of that stuff, uh, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Sasquatch is a very flesh and blood creature, and uh, and is is just another creation out there. But uh, you know, maybe one day, I don't know. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Yeah. I'm I'm in a very very similar uh, uh, boat. Is that um, 
all of those guys have spent a absolute ton of time in the field, uh, have tried to wrap their head around every single aspect of this subject as to why it's, why is it so hard to find things? Why is it so hard to record things? And, um, and you know, I don't necessarily buy into the the aspect of that that they that some of these people have gone, but you know, you got to give them a huge amount of respect for for taking uh, the beating that they've had, uh, sticking their neck out there and talking about their experiences, and um, at least trying to formulate a hypothesis as to what is happening and what how it's happening. That. And, and that, you know, it's that commitment. You, you have to have a huge amount of respect for that. And, uh, and you know, and it, it's one of those things that we, we won't know until we know. And that's going to happen. It could happen. It may never happen. We, it's just one of, it's like all things Bigfoot. This thing, this subject has always more questions than it seems to have answers. No. Absolutely uh, well said, Nathaniel. And uh, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this show this evening. Nathaniel, I want to thank you so much for stepping in and being a host for Gunnar Monson, who will be back next week with myself, Shane Corson, on Monster X Radio. And uh, I look forward to uh, next week's topic. And I want to thank, again, Ron Moorhead for joining us uh, on the road Absolutely, back yes. up home after presenting at the uh, – Portland Hopsquatch event, uh, you know, uh, hosted by none other than the Guy Edwards, good friend of mine. <laughs> so thank you, Nathaniel, for joining. Uh, yeah, I wish I could have been, uh, said more, but I uh, actually had a mouse in my car, and I was trying to <laughs> quietly uh, get rid of it and keep up with what was going on. So, uh, uh, again, I wish I could have been able to say and, and ask more questions, but uh, I, oh. I know I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, oh. And uh, no, you're, thanks you're for in having the field, me. And the field lives in your car, so that's not a <laughs> <surprise>. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, get, get that mouse out of there, and uh, we'll have Oh, yeah, he get, he's out now. Yeah, good. Oh, good, yeah. good. But, uh, well, yeah, thank uh, you yeah, for having again, me. And, Daniel, uh, absolutely, man. Thank you so much. And, uh, uh, tune in next week to another episode of Monster X Radio, and we hope you enjoyed this uh, broadcast this evening. Uh, see you next week. Mm-hmm.